have Bibles, go to Genesis 26. <laughs> okay, go to Matthew 5. All right, Matthew 5. This week, some of you have been hearing me call some of you churchies, and maybe you've had a question, am I a, am I a churchy? Here, here's how you know. You ready? When they get ready to dismiss the kids, and the lady at the piano starts playing a song, and you start going, I am a C, I am a C-H, I am a C-H-R-S-A-I-N. When you start to do that, you know you're in the club, right? And if you're like, hopefully next verse you'll go faster, because I can go faster, if that's what you think. All right? And there are others of us that go, what craziness is happening here? Those are the non-churchies, and we're so glad we have both. Some of you grown up in the church, have heard it over and over again, and some of you who haven't come to know the Lord, and he's transformed your life. Man, that is the beauty of the church, isn't it? That's who we are. So, so, so thankful for that. I am grateful we have middle school and high school kids in here tonight. You guys back there? What, Jesse, how many you got this week? 130? 130 kids? I mean, is that? I just love it, huh? It has a special place in my heart. I did youth ministry for 17 years. Uh, a few years back, I was able to come and be the be the uh, teacher to them, but just love it that you're here and love it, yeah. There's a rumor that some of the students think I'm intense, so we will try to live up to that tonight. We will work at it, all right? So Matthew chapter number five. How about we do this tonight? Let's all stand together and let's read it together, all right? Uh, I'm going to be reading out the ESV. I know that throws some people off. The verses will be on the screen, but we're going to read verses 3 through 10, and let's just read it together, huh? Starting in verse 3, the Bible says, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the king of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Let's pray again. God, we praise you. And Lord God, tonight may you be glorified. Well, God, may you lead my words and may you be honored as we go to your word. So we pray, Lord, your Holy Spirit, move in power. We sure need you. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Walking through the Beatitudes, maybe you've skipped in here for tonight's your first night, but we've been walking through the blessings of the Lord. This happiness that's more than an emotion. It's more than a feeling. It is this promise. It is this true hope and joy that we receive in Christ. And here the Beatitudes, they, they, they really lay out, if, if you're a follower of me, if you truly follow Christ, this is what life looks like. First you are poor in spirit. You come to the Lord bankrupt, needing a Savior you mourn sin because you know, man, as that wonderful hymn we just sang, because of my sin, it was placed upon his shoulders on the cross. 
blessed are those who meek, excuse me, blessed are the meek, why? For they shall inherit the earth. But this meekness is not a weakness or a shyness, it is this strength. Blessed are those who are starving, who have great thirst for the righteousness of God. And blessed are the merciful, those who show mercy like Christ showed mercy to us. Tonight we dive into verse 8. Scripture said, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Who are the pure in heart? This word pure, the, the literal meaning is to be clean from, from dirt or filth or, or contamination. To not catch the virus, to not be contaminated. I'd like just for a second for us to think back three years ago. Now, I want you to hold on because this has nothing to do, I don't care where you are politically or what you think about, whatever, right? I just want you to think about three years ago when they told you you couldn't go out of sight of your house. And I just, I think of all the craziness is kind of clouded, how crazy things were in March and April and May. And as a pastor, we gathered together trying to make the best decision. What's going to be best to follow the Lord? How do we honor the Lord in this? Three years ago, in March and April and May, it was a time where, just, just remember back, you didn't go outside of your house. If you did, it was, you would just keep this distance, right? You'd go get gas and you'd put a glove on. You would, you would then, when you go to the store, you would keep a distance. And again, I don't care where you are, what you think it was or not, or I don't care about that. I want you to think about if there was something that was going to make you sick and ill, you did something to protect yourself. If you thought, man, this, this could hurt somebody. And I, I remember with my son, his birthday was right in April. So it was different. My parents drove by. My in-laws, we FaceTimed. Not knowing what it was or what it was going to be and all of that again. I don't, I don't care what you think it is. I just want you to think about. This is a danger. I'm going to take steps to keep my family safe. Here, the Bible talks about being pure, to not be contaminated, to stay healthy. Do we have a desire to stay healthy in the Lord? Because there are great contaminations around us that will make us sick in our walk with Jesus. There are great contaminations in this world that will hurt us. So to be blessed is... To, to be pure, blessed are the pure in heart. The word heart, what does that mean? Right? In our culture, the word heart means more than this you know, big muscle inside of my chest that's pumping blood, doesn't it? We say like, I love you with all of my spleen. No, we don't say that, do we? We don't look at somebody and go, Kidney. I drew a kidney, just so you know. Uh, I kidney. Like, we don't do that, do we? We draw a heart. We say, I love you with all of my heart. And even in our culture, this word heart means so much more. But I believe in biblical times that it was even bigger than that. 
To give you a definition, the word heart here means more than just your mind. It also includes emotions and will. It is the totality of our ability to think and to feel. Pure in heart means that not only our minds, but our feelings and our actions are to be concentrated singly on God. So pure in heart, to be committed all in. This is not just a surface thing. This is not just an action thing. Uh, one said this, pure in heart is not just intellectual. That we don't look at this and go, man, blessed are the pure in heart are those who have the intellectual knowledge. They, they know Bible verses. They've come to Bayshore camp for 113 years. Like they, they, they know this and that and they can argue this point and that point. You know, that doesn't prove somebody is pure in heart. Pure in heart does not just mean conduct. It doesn't just mean that we do this thing or, or, or do this or that. It doesn't mean we're pure in heart. We can fake it. And in church, many of us are good at faking it. We go through the motions of Christianity. Can I tell you, pure in heart is not just the emotion. It's not just the feeling. Because if you've walked with the Lord a while, you understand you don't always feel it, do you? But the Bible doesn't say you will. It doesn't say, man, that you're going to always feel that the Lord is, you're always going to have this emotion. It's not what the Bible says. This, this word heart includes our mind. It includes emotion. It's all of that. It's all of who we are. The inner man committed to the Lord. The Bible says full are those who are pure in heart. In Luke chapter 11, verse 37, Jesus uh, is, is at a meal. And I've talked to you, I feel like I've been talking about food a lot, but Jesus sitting at meals. And as I read this uh, passage, uh, Jesus has a very uncomfortable meal again. Another one. Well, maybe it's a call for us as Christians to start having uncomfortable meals. But anyways, Luke eleven thirty-seven says, While Jesus was speaking, a Pharisee asked him to dine with him. So he went in and reclined at the table. The Pharisee was astonished to see that he did not first wash before dinner. Or in other words, he didn't grab some hand sanitizer. Verse 39, the Lord said to him, Now you Pharisees cleanse the outside of the cup of the dish, but inside you are full of greed and wickedness. The Pharisee asked Jesus, I want you to come to my house and trying to trick him and, 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 and to figure out how do we corner Jesus. Jesus goes and he doesn't wash his hands. Now, I don't want you to think that the Pharisee was a fit, like he has dirty, what is he doing? No, the Pharisees, what they had done is they had made up more and more laws. They said, hey, God, you don't have all the laws figured out. We're going to add the real laws, God, that needs to have. And this was, a, a Pharise this was a, the Pharisees would follow this law of a cleansing, and Jesus didn't follow their laws. So he was offended. And Jesus said to him, now you Pharisees cleanse the outside of the cup of the dish, but inside you are full of greed and wickedness. And he says this, you fools. 
Did not he who made the outside make the inside also? But give his alms those things that are within. And behold, everything is clean for you. But woe to you Pharisees, for you tithe mint and rue and every herb, right? Every little thing. They checked all the, crossed the teeth. They did every, we did this, we gave this way. And everybody, of course, knew that they did. And neglect justice and the love of God. These you ought to have done without neglecting the other. Keep reading, a lawyer will speak up. Jesus speaks truth right at him. You may think, wait a minute, didn't we study about mercy? I think the Lord is being merciful. Sometimes the truth needs to be spoken boldly and loudly. And Jesus knew here what the best thing was to say. One said he was willing to insult this man to bring him face to face with his spiritual bankruptcy. So here we see pure in heart. Is this who we are? Do we fight for the spiritual health of the heart with everything that we have? See, there's a danger that there are events and activities or things we have done in our life that we think, hey, this is the important thing. As long as I've walked and did these steps, I'm good. But yet our heart is far from the Lord. One book said such things as lighting candles or burning incense or counting beads or uh, speaking prescribed prayers or facing in a certain direction when you pray, having visions or mystical experiences or even being baptized or partaking in the Lord's Supper have absolutely no saving power. And what we have done, we have taken some of these things and we put them in a place to go, well, I've done that, so I'm good now. And we've done a work instead of having faith in the grace of Jesus Christ and the cross. Now, are those things bad? No, right? We have these things in the church, baptism and the Lord's Supper and, 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 and these things that are so important. Salvation is by trusting in Jesus. It is by this inward thing. The Bible says, for by grace are you saved through faith and not of yourself. It is the gift of God, not by works, lest any man should boast. That's why we can't walk around and go, I'm saved because I do this at the church and I give this at the church. And we wouldn't say those things out loud, but sometimes our heart can begin to believe it. And so this pure in heart is everything that we are devoted to the Lord. When was the last time you had a spiritual health check? To say, hey, am I healthy? Is my heart focused on the Lord? So let, let me point out a couple things that I think are important to look at a spiritual health check. N- number one is simply and this is straightforward, and it may even offend you, and Jesus offended, but are you saved? Do you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Because of what Christ did on the cross, 
The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5 that is his righteousness placed on you? Not because of our righteousness, but because Christ and what he did on the cross. See, I don't believe salvation is a kind of, sort of thing. It's not a maybe, it's not a, the Bible speaks of salvation as this radical change. Why? Because when Jesus comes in, you can't live the same way. You can't walk the same walk. When, when your heart is broken over sin and Christ comes in, it changes things. I want to tell you, for my family, my dad was the example of that. It wasn't a kind of sort of thing. It was a radical change in life. And this is salvation. The Bible speaks of it, of being dead and coming to life, right? The Bible speaks of it as being born again. The Bible speaks of it as a, being a new creation. This is the amazing salvation that Christ offers. And so as Jesus said, and, and it's, listen, it, maybe I offend somebody tonight, but it is not done in a cruel way. It is done to say, hey, maybe the Holy Spirit is speaking to your heart tonight and saying, hey, you, you maybe you did a sinner's prayer when you were eight and you did this when you were 12, but none of it was by faith in the grace of Jesus Christ. See, those actions, we can go through the motions. I grew up in the Baptist world, so the salvation prayer was so important. Like, it's not a, hey, I walked through that. That's not what it is. But it is when you trust in Jesus. It is when you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus Christ and believe that God raised him from the dead and you will be saved. It is the wonderful gospel to be born again. Jesus to the Pharisees says, hey, these things are you're doing. They have nothing to do with me. They have everything to do with you. A radical change. Five years ago, my wife's grandpa passed away. He's 92 years old. I remember, Jay, I think it was like a week before, and he had fallen, and I was with you in the car, and um, Jay got the phone call. And um, so we, um, uh, he dropped me off at the house. Uh, his dad had fallen, uh, and so he had rushed over um, to the house. I'm sorry, I'm a little distracted. A bug flew up me and bit me right there on the hand. I am not kidding. <laughs> bug warfare going on, I guess. That was weird. I've never got stung by a bug in the middle of a preaching a sermon. Welcome to Bayshore Camp. All right. All right, back to the serious story. Get focused here. But Jay went to go see his dad, and he had fallen. He took him to the hospital. He wasn't doing well. It was a few days after that. My son, Silas, was seven years old. He was with Mom and I, and he just said, Mom, does, does great-grandpa know the Lord? My wife said, I, I don't know. I don't know, Cy, but let me, let's call Dad, or let's call Grandpa and see. So they got on the phone, and they called Grandpa, and they said, Silas goes, Grandpa, does great-grandpa know the Lord? And Jay, my father-in-law, says, buddy, I, I'm, I'm not sure. 
but we're going to go find out. So he and his wife, they got in the car, drove to the hospital, and they talked with Grandpa. Came back home, and I remember, I believe it was that night, you guys called and said, hey, we went and talked with great-grandpa. We don't know, but uh, we talked with pastor, our, their pastor, he's going to go up there. And so their pastor went up there the next day. It was a few short days after that where Jay's dad passed away. We had the funeral. I had the privilege to be a part of that. And I'll never forget their pastor got up to speak. He said, hey, I just want you to know I went and met with this man and um, just a few days ago, and I sat with him in the hospital. We talked about Jesus. Remember, he talked him through. He, he walked through the verses he went through. He said in the hospital, he asked Jesus Christ to be his Savior. And the pastor said, I asked him after he got done accepting Christ. I said, how do you feel now? And he answered and said, I feel like the weight of the world has been taken off of my shoulders. Salvation will change our lives. To be pure in heart is to accept Jesus Christ, not kind of as Lord. It is not, I know about Jesus, or I know about the cross, or I've gone to church, I know the verse. It is, it is Jesus, you are Lord and Savior Jesus, you died on the cross and you rose again, and I follow you. One of the leaders came up to me right before our time of worship, and he just goes, I want you to know, we had a kid give their life to Jesus today. Man, is that incredible or what? I want to tell you the angels are celebrating, and we should too. People to come to know Christ. Spiritual health. Do we truly know the Lord? Second question is, if we do know the Lord, are we exercising our faith? Are we growing? I love what one said. It requires our supreme effort. Yes, it is by the strength of the Lord. But it requires our supreme effort. The churchy word of the biblical word for this is sanctification. To grow to be more like Jesus. Are we growing? No matter where you're at, I love. One of my favorite things, uh, I have this old, uh, older man. I almost said old man, that was nice. Uh, older man in the church. He's 88 years old. And a few months he came to me and said, Pastor, I just love growing in the Lord. I love learning about learning and growing. And it's not like, hey, I got to retired age and I'm done growing. No, we continue to grow and to learn who Jesus is. 2 Corinthians 3.18, and we all with unveiled face beholding the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. It's pure in heart. It's the Lord molding you and changing you. Or have you put up a roadblock? Maybe here in, I, I know the Lord, but you've put up a roadblock. Become unhealthy. 
Maybe tonight's the night to repent of that and go, Lord, I, I want to grow in you. Psalms 51.10 says it like this, Create in me a clean heart, O God, and a renew a right spirit within me. One pastor said it this way, For those struggling, and that may be where you're at, I know the Lord, but where do I go now? He says this, Cast ourselves on the grace of God and thus receive his radical renewal. We must ask him to implant and nurture the kingdom in our lives. And if we do, these qualities will take root and grow within us. Right, the psalm, we think about David, and he had messed up, and he had sinned, and he began to hide that sin. The Bible says it, it made him sick, and it wasn't until he would confess and forsake it and go, Lord, create in me a clean heart, renew me. And what is so amazing about the Lord is he does spiritual health test the last assessment is this are you guarding your heart you may be okay now but are you guarding it proverbs 4:23 says watch over your heart with all diligence for from it flows the spring of life the bible tells us that there is no good in us the Bible talks about the heart being wicked. And the Bible says we have to guard our heart. There's this lie in our culture that talks about, well, it is just the external things. It, it's just the environment. And if I change the environment, then I'll be okay. Nope. You can take your kids and your family, and go to an island where nobody, or go to the thumb where nobody, you could go to a place <laughs> where nobody lives, and it just be you. Guess what? Wickedness will find you. You can go be a monk. It ain't going to save you. The heart is wicked. It is when we give it to the Lord. Right, people talk about which, if just the environment was better, if just my background was better, if, if this was, then it'd be okay. It reminds me, the Garden of Eden was a pretty good environment. We've been studying the book of Revelation. One of the things that's blown me away is looking when Christ comes up and sets up his kingdom. He reigns for a thousand years. I don't know why God does all of this, but the Bible says that Satan is bound. He is no longer able to influence people on the earth at that time. After the tribulation, he's no longer allowed to influence people. The Bible says there's this thousand-year reign, and after it, Jesus relieves Satan. And the Bible says, just want you to think about that, people on the earth, where Christ is reigning and Satan is no longer allowing to tempt people. Even in that time when Satan was released at the end, it says it is an uncountable amount of people who will say no to God and will follow the devil. Not because of Satan. Not because of the environment. But because our hearts are broken. And it is turning it over to the Lord. 
James 4, 7 tells us what to do. It says, submit yourself therefore, therefore to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hearts, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Be wretched and mourn and weep and let your laughter be turned to mourning and your, gloom, and your joy to gloom. Humble yourself before the Lord and he will exalt you. We give our life to the Lord. That passage goes right back to what we just read, goes right back to the Beatitudes. Yes, we're poor in spirit, but then we receive the joy of the Lord. Yes, we mourn, but hey, we don't stay there. We're comforted because of who Jesus is. The Bible says, blessed are the pure in heart. And I so now want to take time to talk about the blessing of being pure in heart. The Bible says, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. One said, the literal translation here is, they shall be continually seeing God for themselves. See, the Beatitudes keeps, it is this promise that is taking place, but we see it to be fulfilled in the future so here the bible says you will see god and so now here on earth those of us who know the lord we start to have spiritual eyes and what do we see we see the lord at work we stand back and go that's what the lord just did we get to a place to go god i'm devoting to you i'm following you and then we just watch god go yep he's working there and working there now what I'm, what I'm not talking about seeing God is you wake up in the morning and look down at your cinnamon toast crunch and go, ooh, look at that, must be it. And that's what we're talking about. We're talking about the almighty God working. We talk about the almighty God being close to him, drawing close to him, and seeing him and knowing his love. It's amazing. You see the Lord? You see what he's doing? That's where I want to be. I want to be in a place where, man, this is what the Lord's doing. I just want to keep being a servant and, and following him. Look what the Lord's doing. Seeing the work that we're called and he's doing and people coming to know the Lord and people being discipled and people getting back to telling other people about Jesus. Reminds me, my son, years ago, he was in elementary he, um, he came home one day, and it was just a little, little something was on his mind. My son is not a talker. Like, it's just not his thing. But he was like, Dad, you know, at school, I just, just really feel like there's this one kid I'm not friends with, but I feel like I should, I should be kind to him, and, and I should go sit with him at lunch. And, and I just think, Dad, I just kind of have, I think, it, so he was saying this, Today, I, I need to go and, and have lunch and do that. And I remember it was after school, and we were, I was taking him to his very first baseball practice. And uh, my son, um, we live in a community. He goes to school um, 
about 20 minutes down the road. Uh, and so uh, we, he'd come back home, got in the car, we went up to the field, and uh, went out to the baseball field for his first practice. And he, we were talking about this exact issue, and like, Dad, I really feel like I just, I need to, I feel like the Lord's telling me I need to care. And we pulled in the parking lot, and we looked up on the baseball field. Remember Silas looking at me going, Dad, Dad, he's right there. Dad, he's, I guess he's on my baseball team, Dad. And it just reminded me, like, man, when we will go, okay, God, what, what do you want me to do? And then you watch God go, okay, let's, you know what, I'm putting this on your heart. Watch what I'm going to do. When you just sit back and go, wow, God, look what you're doing. It's so what I want to be a part of to see God. But I can't wait to that day when we will no longer have, right, the veil. What's the passage for we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face, we will see the Lord. Man, this is an awesome promise. Maybe it's a greater promise this year for me, for my dad. My mom is here tonight, and uh, she's, we, man, my mom is singing, and I'm singing. I'm like, I'm not looking at you, and you're not looking at me, because I'm going to start crying. You're going to start crying, because I mean, we're just singing about dad would just love to be here singing. He would just love, just praising the Lord with you. But he's doing better, mom. Because to be absent in this body is to be present with the Lord. And he is with the almighty God. And this is the best thing. It is the greatest thing. In Revelation chapter 4, the Bible gives us a glimpse into the throne room of God. It just gives us a little glimpse that uh, John says, hey, I'm taken to heaven, and it takes us to this throne room. So chapter 4, it starts out, and we see the throne and the power and the majesty of the Lord. And if you've read the book of Revelation, you, you're to imagine some things. So it's okay to let your mind explode and go, what is happening here? Here we have the throne of the Lord. And then just to give us a, a sort of kind of picture to these finite minds we have, right? It talks about the colors, talks about the jasper and the ruby red, and it talks about the diamond and the rainbow around the Lord, these wonderful colors. And then it says thunder and lightning. Can you imagine sitting there? Not only the lights, but now it starts shaking. And the power of the Lord. Talks about those gathered around bowing down and worshiping Jesus. Now for some, you know and I may be guilty of asking this. To ask the question is, is that going to get boring after a while? I mean, if... Three months ago, I think it was about three months ago, in downtown Detroit, I think at Comerica Park, two nights in a row they packed in about 80,000 people. Huge concert. Packed people in there. I know people who went to the concert 
people sitting in the crowd, I have friends sitting there, told me about the things that happened. Well, what did that look like? Well, the concert starts, and these lights start to flash. You know, they kind of probably look like some red and some green and some rainbow. I mean, they just fill the stadium. Then the subwoofer kicks on. The whole city of Detroit starts to shake as this music starts to build. You have people that walk out, right? And they have, it looks like these huge fans. It makes them look like these huge, almost like beasts. They come out on the stage before the one that everybody comes to see comes on the stage. And friends there, and they said, I've watched people next to me. They start to shake. They'd start to cry, and they couldn't start, stop crying. And this lady comes out on the stage, and everybody erupts. 42 songs she goes through. And nobody's in there going, yep, uh, when's this thing getting over? Well, except for the dad who went with the daughter, but everybody else. People weeping gets over and what happens people start yelling one more song come on one more song we don't want to be done yet let me tell you times that by a billion and you may get a glimpse in what it is to be like when God walks on the stage when the almighty God creator of all and the earth and the thunder begins to shake and the lights are pointed on him it is going to be incredible. And let me tell you, we're going to be chanting one more song. As we get to gather together, the greatest thing is those who know the Lord, the promise, we will be with him and we will praise him, church. Yeah. Hold on to the blessings. But the amazing blessing of being with the Lord is coming. Hold on to a church. Know that his truth is real. Know that he's coming back. And may we live a life that is pure in heart, worshiping the King of Kings. Let's pray. Jesus, may you be worshiped. Oh God, tonight, I pray your spirit is moving. Lord, your word tells us Holy Spirit will convict us. Lord, I pray for somebody in here who's never truly accepted you as Savior. Lord God, may they give their life to you tonight and have the best night of their life, coming to know you as Savior. Lord, I pray pride would not get in the way, but may they humbly come to you and say, Jesus, will you save me? I'm a sinner. I need a Savior. I pray, Lord God, for those of us who are struggling in our health with the Lord, may we repent of sin. Lord God, may we look to rejoice in you, to know you more. In the name of Jesus, I pray these things.
know, tonight, just have a time of worship. Maybe that's standing in your seat and singing. Maybe you feel like, hey, tonight I want to come forward and get on my knees before the Lord and spend some time in prayer. You can do that. If you don't know the Lord right where you're at, if you will confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus Christ, put your faith in him to save you. May we stand and have a time of response to Jesus. Maybe just thanking him for the eternity we'll spend with him. Let's stand, everyone.